Well, if you've got your notes in front of you, I think you'll recognize the title tonight, A Telltale Heart. How many of you remember reading that in school? Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, you guys. <laughs> I think when I was in high school, we had to read this every October. So it's a story, a poem that's written by Edgar Allan Poe that this man has murderous intent in his heart. And he just lets this murderous attitude, these murderous thoughts build and build and build into his heart until he finally takes a life. And he spends the time then trying to cover up his sin, trying to cover up what he's done. And as he does, the guilt grows more and more and more. So the police come because neighbors have heard a ruckus and they've sent the police there to see what was going on. And the man is sitting there trying to be so calm and cover his guilt and his sin and his murderous heart. And what happens is he begins to hear in his head the pounding of the heart of the person whose life he took. And it pounds louder and louder and louder in his head until he gets to the point that all he can do is scream out to the police, I did it. I'll show you where the body is. I did it. I committed this crime and he confesses everything because of the guilt and the pounding of this heart that he hears in his head. Well, the Bible talks a lot about the heart, but it talks about the heart, not like, you know, the little thing we draw, you know, and put hearts and O's and X's and hearts and little hearts on our Facebook when we really like something. It's talking about something much deeper than this organ in our body that pumps blood. When the Bible talks about the heart, we have a biblical view of the heart. You see, the Bible says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's out of the NIV, but I liked the way Matthew 12, 34 is quoted from the message. It says, it's the heart that gives meaning to your words. What does this mean when we talk about the biblical term of a heart? When, we, when the Bible is talking about open your heart to God, follow God with all of your heart, your heart, let your heart be filled with God. What is the Bible talking about when it talks about the heart? Well, it's actually talking about life or the seat of life or strength. Well, I'm just going to read you the definition because they said it a lot better than I can. The biblical expression of the word heart is the seat of life or strength. It's mind, soul, spirit, or one's entire emotional nature and understanding. It is said to have the ability to reason, to question, to meditate, to motivate, and to think. So when we talk about giving our heart to God, we're talking about that part of us that reasons, that part of us that thinks, that part of us that processes life. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about our heart. What Edgar Allan Poe was talking about is something very different. He says, it's that beating of this hideous heart, this heart that was pounding guilt into his head, he calls the hideous heart, which is exactly the opposite of what God says he wants from us is a pure heart. Wow, that's a big word. 
I went to the store to grab some water, to have water, bottled water around the house. And I'm looking at all of the choices of water. And there's natural water and there's spring water and there's pure water and there's cheap water. And I'm thinking, isn't it just water? <laughs> well, if I'm going to put something in my body, I want it to be pure water. I mean, what is natural water? That could be anything. So I sprung for the cheap water. Oh, well. What does it mean for us to have a pure heart? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God talks about the hideous heart, the opposite side of that coin of the pure heart. The Lord says, He saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. If that was back in Genesis, how much more with this illustration today? You can't turn on the news without watching and seeing something manifest of a hideous heart. It's almost at the point that I don't like to watch it anymore. I don't like to watch what is going on in the world. I know I need to, and I, knew I, I know that I need to be aware of what's going on in the world, but it grieves my heart to see what takes place on a daily basis. And if it grieves my heart, how much more so does it grieve God's heart? Well, the Lord saw all of this, but he still had a plan to redeem our hearts, to give us the opportunity to strive toward that pure heart. We understand this expression that the Bible uses of the heart, not the beating organ in our body, but we understand this concept. We do it in expressions. We use expressions that are things like, oh, that just pulled on my heartstrings. My grandson said his first word this week, dad, dad, <laughs> that just pulled on my heartstrings. We understand what that means. Matters of the heart. Oh, don't go there. I don't talk about matters of the heart. That's, that's a complicated subject or they broke my heart. We understand that we're not talking about a beating organ. We're talking about our spirit, our internal processing, our, our source of strength in our life. Or we say, I love you with all of my heart. Well, we understand that. There are some expressions, though, that are harder to understand. Expressions like, follow your heart. Expressions like, a heart after God's own heart. What does that mean? How can I possibly in this body, and I know my heart, and I know my thoughts, and I know my deeds, and sometimes they're like those of Edgar Allan Poe. The guilt when I read those things are like, God, how could you possibly look at me and see a pure heart? What does a pure heart mean? God used the word, a man with a pure heart or a man after my own heart when he talked about David. And those of you that have read the Old Testament through the life of David, David could be a rascally dude sometimes. David could get himself into situations and then it was like, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Well, David understood something about his heart that when he followed after his own heart without following 
God's guidance and seeking God for his guidance, that following his own heart was going to get him into trouble every time. David understood what it meant to follow his own heart. He also knew what it meant to seek God for God's heart. So how could God say that this man who kept messing up, this man who kept missing it, how could God say that David had a heart like his own heart? David learned something very important, very young, very early. He learned what it meant to have a repentant heart. Every time we see David through Kings, Samuel, the Psalms, David says, I know my own heart. I know my own thoughts, Lord. But he learned how to repent. And David had a confidence in God. Maybe it came from those years that he spent out watching his father's sheep. When he would sing songs of praise to the Lord. When he would quote to himself or say to himself the things he had learned about God. That maybe some of the psalms that were later recorded, he actually wrote those when he was out watching a bunch of sheep. And not doing anything really extravagant with his life. But this young man learned very early that when you call on God, he is faithful to forgive you. David understood what it meant to have a repentant heart. Psalms 51 verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Why did he use the word renew? Because sometimes we mess up and sometimes we don't walk steadfastly in this repentant, this pure heart that God desires for us. But the beauty of God is that he knew that. God knew that we were going to miss it. God knew that there were going to be times where we would need repentance. And from the very beginning of time, God made provisions so that we could be restored to him through his son, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture of a father's heart. I know my kids. I would do anything in the world for my kids. They call and say, Mom, I need a babysitter. I, don't, I have to take this child for this appointment and do this with this child, and I need a babysitter. So what do I do? Cammie, I get in the car and I drive 12 hours to go babysit grandkids because that's what grandmas do. I love my kids, but I'm not sacrificing one of my kids for you. I love you, but I don't love you that much. But God in his beauty, God in his tender heart, God in his pure heart knew that we could never meet that standard of purity on our own. So he provided the price for that purity. What does it mean to have a heart after God? Well, first it means taking our courage in the Lord. Psalm 62 verse 2 and 6 talks about Finding my courage, finding my strength in the Lord. I know that that courage doesn't come within myself. I know that that courage is not in my own ability. But there is a courage, there is a strength that comes from God that strengthens my heart in whatever I have to face. The heart that follows after God recognizes that I have to put my reliance on God. David realized 
from the very beginning, when he went out and saw a giant that was facing the whole army of Israel and everybody else is cowering back and going, I'm not going out and fight him. He's a strong warrior. He's bigger than I am. I'm not going out there. And David looked at him and said, why is nobody going out to fight this guy? Why is nobody taking him on? Was it because David was such a strong, such a courageous, brave person? No, it was because David learned when he was out in the sheep field, out with the flocks, he learned that he could rely on God. And sometimes we learn that we can rely on God in those moments of our greatest testing. David said, look, I've, I've come up against a bear. I've come up against a lion. God has helped me conquer them all. God will help me to conquer this giant. He knew his reliance was not in himself, not in his own abilities, but in what God would do through him. I watched a story on YouTube and they were trying to recreate this battle between David and Goliath. And they had the guy that I didn't even know there was a such thing that had won the slingshot title of the world. I didn't even know you could do that. So I have something else I guess I have to add to my bucket list. So they came, they set up this model, they marked it where exactly David would have had to have hit the giant for him to have fallen, for Goliath to fall to the ground so he could be conquered. And this guy, he tried and he tried and he tried and finally he hit it right on the spot. And his, his response is, well, I guess it is possible. And I was like, no, you're missing the whole point. David never said, hey, I'm a pretty good slingshot guy. I mean, I hold the world champion. I've killed lions and I've here killed bears and I've killed uh, whatever else comes out after my sheep. I'm a pretty good slingshot guy. Let me have a shot at him. No, he said, the Lord will help me. The Lord will help me to win this battle. David recognized without reliance on God, we miss it. Without reliance on God, we can try and try and try. And boy, that giant's still going to keep coming back. The heart after God. I don't know when Psalms 23 was written, but if there could be an example of what David learned of how to have a heart after God, it would have to come out of Psalms 23. Our kids back in the kids clubs on Wednesday nights have been learning Psalms 23. So this lesson just tied right in with exactly what they've been learning. So here's what they've been learning about Psalms 23 and having a heart after God. Verse one teaches us, he fills our needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. Verse 2 and 3, he provides right opportunities. He leads me. He guides me. He leads us to paths of righteousness. Verse 4, he's our comfort and our security. Verse 5, he's our protection and our anointing. In verse 6, he is the one who puts his blessing on our life. Boy, if we just took one chapter out of the Bible, if we just took Psalms 23 and said, Lord, I'm just going to 
as it says, the biblical heart, I'm going to meditate on this one thing. I'm going to think about, I'm going to ponder. I'm going to hide this chapter away in my heart. And I'm going to think about these simple things. God, you're my provision. God, you lead me to the right opportunities. God, you're my righteousness. God, you are my comfort and my security. You're my protection and anointing. And you are my blessing. What does it mean to have a pure heart? A pure heart is a heart that's in relationship. A pure heart is not a heart that, okay, I went to the altar, I prayed, I asked God to forgive me of my sins, and we know that he does, and I'm going to walk away, and I'm perfect, and I'm never going to do anything else wrong for the rest of my life. No, God opens his arms. He never closes his arms because he knows we're going to have to run back time and time again and say, God, I need your pure heart. That's a relationship, and that relationship is personal. As we read through those books of the Bible I was talking about, Kings, Samuel, Psalms, we also see another king in there, and that's the King Saul. And I've been reading and doing a comparison on the two lives of Saul and David, a king that failed and a king that succeeded. Saul had it pretty good. I mean, when you look at it, he got the palace. He got all the, the, the great things that go along with being king. He had the wonderful armor. And here this little kid came up. I mean, he even sent his, his warriors out to do battle for him and then David comes along, and it seems like David's in conflict the rest of his life. There are enemies coming against him. There are uprisings in the kingdom. Something is always going on in David's life. But David showed something that Saul never did. Go back and read the book of Samuel. Samuel comes to anoint a king because that's what the people wanted. So God gave them a king after their own heart. Sam, Saul, when Samuel came to him, didn't even know who he was. He thought he was just a seer. And Saul had lost his daddy's donkeys and was supposed to go find them. And he was like, well, let's go find a seer and see if he can, can help us find my dad's donkeys. He didn't even recognize. I mean, if you were an Israelite, and you knew who the man of God was in your country, you would have known who Samuel was. They probably would have known his story. Saul didn't. Every time through the book of Samuel that Saul comes to him, Saul always says, inquire of your God. Ask your God. Seek your God. You never see Saul saying, my God. But every time you read in the scriptures that David is needing guidance, he's needing wisdom, he's needing help, he's needing God to be his strength and his shield, David cries out over and over again, Lord, you are my God. Father, you are my God. Lord, my God, I search you. My God, search me, know my heart. Proverbs 27, 19 says it like this. As water reflects the face, so one's life 
reflects the heart. Saul's life reflected his heart. Where Saul could have, could have had it all, he lost it all, not only for himself, but for his generations to come, his children, his grandchildren. What is reflected in our hearts? Recently, my daughter-in-law and my mother and my daughter and I were preparing for a ladies' conference, and the gift they gave us for the conference was a mirror compact. And we all got our, our gift bags, and we're going through and pulling the stuff out and the books for the conference and the journals, and, and we got to our compacts, and we opened up, and we noticed they're all just alike. And so my daughter-in-law, later, there were like a couple laying on the table, and she was like, oh, is this my mirror or is this your mirror? And I opened it up and said, it must be mine. It's got my picture in it. <laughs> she took it from me. She said, nope, it's mine. There's my picture. What is reflected in the mirror when we look back? The water reflects. Well, water in Georgia doesn't reflect. It's got too much red clay in it. The water here, we can look and see a reflection. What do we see when we look in that mirror? What do we see reflected back? Do we see God and our relationship with him? Do we see that God is changing us daily into his image? Or do we see that hideous heart that Poe talks about? What do we see in the mirror? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Well, yeah, he was God's son. We expect that. But when Paul starts writing about us being changed and transformed and taking on day by day, he says that we are transformed into the image of Christ who we follow. And so if we look in that mirror, we should not see our own reflection. We should receive the reflection of Christ himself. 2 Corinthians Verse three, chapter three, verse 18. And I love how the new King James said it. We are all with unveiled face. In other words, you look in the mirror, that's it. I mean, you get up first thing in the morning and you wander into the mirror and you look and that's as good as it gets, family. There is no makeup. There's no eyeliner. There's nothing. That's just what it is. We walk into God's presence with unveiled faces. There is nothing we can hide. We can't push it down. We can't do like Poe was trying to do and hide the hideousness of his heart or the narrator's heart. We walk into his presence and we are unveiled. Behold as in a mirror the glory of God being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. God's image is perfect. Am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to be able to look in the mirror and say, oh, Becky's gone, I just see Jesus. No, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to look at that mirror and I'm going to say, God, today I need you reflected in my life. I need people to be able to look at my life and see you. I need people to be able to look at my heart and not see perfection, but to see that you're working on it and to see that the day will come when the Lord returns, that we will be changed completely into his reflection. But until that time, 
Let's strive to see his reflection in the mirror.